Hutchins Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Hutchins Podcast, where today we are very excited to be joined by the Wellbeing Committee, including co-chair Andrew Gregg, committee member and school vice-captain Ben Horsham, school counsellor Mr Magnus, Mr Conica and our school careers counsellor Mr Bonicher. Welcome everyone. G'day Harry. Hey, Harry. G'day, Harry. Hi, Harry. The Wellbeing Committee is one of six leadership committees that students can join in years 9 to 12. There has been lots happening uh, and some great initiatives in the area of wellbeing this year, which is great to see. Andrew, um, just tell us more about what are some of the key initiatives that your committee has been doing this year. Well, we've had a really varied year in terms of the different initiatives that we've been running. It's been really exciting to see, actually, particularly as of late. Um, The two main things that I'd like to point out are the uh, Mental Health First Aid, Mental Health Contact Officer Program, and the gratitude sessions that we're running throughout the school. Mr Magnus is the expert in terms of Mental Health First Aid. Um, A few years ago, it was George Scott, I believe, who introduced the idea to the school. Is that correct? That's right, Andrew. So it was back in 2018 that... um, George Scott was the mental health prefect for the year and in our first discussions he really identified his personal need and the need of lots of his mates to know how to better support their peers. So we started to explore that and what came out of it was the idea of students being able to volunteer for a facilitated youth mental health first aid course and in that year we ran it twice. Last year with COVID obviously we ran it once and this year we'll be running it again twice and there's been a huge response to the training and then following that students who do the training can opt to become a mental health contact officer. Yeah and I think it's really great. I did the course just very recently just a few weeks ago and I found it really insightful because you learn a lot about um, mental mental health issues such as depression, anxiety but you also learn about how people overcome these challenges and how people deal with this stress and how people can recover from that. Um, Ben and Harry, you've both done the course and are both contact officers. How have you found it? Yeah, I also did the course quite recently with Andrew and so looking forward to seeing, you know, where that takes me and what opportunities are going to come out of that. But already I've found just knowing a little bit more about mental health and about what other people are going through has really helped me understand and just help other people in conversations that I've had. And I did it last year in 2020. And, I mean, it's great to see from a student's perspective, now I'm seeing that students are approaching other students more and now that a lot um, more of us are qualified, we're seeing that those conversations are being a lot more effective, which has been great to see. That, that's lovely to hear. I mean, as, as a staff member, you, you, you're aware of a bit of that and, and I've been really pl- pleased as the school counsellor that more and more students will come to talk to someone like me about their mates, you know, might just want to have some advice about I'm a bit concerned about this person, you know, how would you approach this issue or even bringing a mate along, you know, I think it'd be good for you to talk to somebody. So that sort of support we're seeing, but to hear that it's probably happening a lot more than we're even aware of is brilliant because the thing that George Scott originally was responding to was the survey feedback that the first people that some that a student's going to go to for support are their mates. So to hear that that's that we're now hopefully empowering you guys to do that with each other is just brilliant. And along with that, I think teachers 
um, all did the course last year together. So that's great as well during mentor times now that they've done the course. Yeah, that's really beneficial, I think, as well. So Mr Conica... I think what's been really impressive is the fact that this initially started off as a student-led initiative mm. um, and we've been able to expand it and embed it further with all of the mentors doing the course at the end of last year. So primarily, I guess, we want students or students feel most comfortable talking to their peers, but now we've got all of their mentors trained in mental health issues and awareness as well. So it's certainly becoming embedded across the senior school. And creating that common language for, for wellbeing and being able to, you know, share concerns and share support in a way that we all hopefully understand together. In terms of that common language also, a recent initiative from, initiative from the Wellbeing Committee has been the ALGI posters. ALGI is an acronym that you learn in the course. It is awareness, listening, giving support information and encouraging external and internal supports. That's what ALGI stands for and we've been putting those posters up around the school so that even if you don't do the course, if you don't have those couple of days, if you don't have the time or the resource to do it, you can still get, you know, just, just, just the basics covered with, with those posters. I think that's a really good way of implementing that shared language. And you spoke about um, the student-led initiatives. The other student-led initiative this year in the Wellbeing Committee is the gratitude, gratitude sessions and now posters that we've been putting throughout the school. Um, these, these sessions, something that I'm really passionate about, they, the aim of them is, I suppose, to change the filter that you see your life through. It's to change your mindset from mainly negative in a society today where we compare ourselves to others a lot, have a lot of resentment, to, to a more positive filter. I think everyone here has had some experience with gratitude as well as uh, empathy and mindfulness. Gratitude is the one that I suppose I'm most well acquainted with. Um, how, what, what have your experience has been like with that? From my perspective, I've been really impressed with the initiative that um, the Wellbeing Committee has started and how it's spread across the school. So we started by uh, implementing it in the senior school mentors and just the other day seeing you guys go down and explain the concept of gratitude to the Year 7s and then going and running a session with all of the mentors down there was really impressive. I guess from my perspective as well and my involvement with Steve's house, we've been um, trying to implement um, the GEM principles with gratitude, empathy and mindfulness and try and link up with what we're doing in our house program on a Monday and Tuesday with those things. So gratitude circles has, has definitely been one of those, but um, there's been some other things that we've been trialling as well throughout the year. I guess mindfulness is one um, which that sticks out to me. It's a bit of a buzzword at times and gets thrown around quite a bit. As students, um, we live a very busy life at times, subjects, all that stress can add up and accumulate very quickly. I guess a question for Mr Magnus and Mr Conica is how can students implement mindfulness uh, daily? Um, because I'm aware it's pretty beneficial um, to our wellbeing and can be quite impactful. Great question, Harry. Um, I think there, there are, these days there are, there are so many different ways of approaching mindfulness. There's lots of great books podcasts, um, guided meditations. So in a way, there's, the resources are so plentiful that it can be potentially hard to know where to start. You know, you try and find reliable sources of information. And, and I think the best measure of the value of the particular approach you take is how you're feeling. Because if you're getting good outcomes fairly quickly, you're probably on the right track. The school has used Smiling Mind quite a lot, which is an Australian not-for-profit organisation that creates this app that's, you know, you just download it on your phone or your, or your tablet. And, and that is fantastic because it's, it doesn't come from a particular spiritual tradi tradition. It's, you know, it's made in Australia. It's backed up by evidence-based um, research and 
it also allows you to choose the age group that you're in and, and, and out of that gives you a range of different types of mindfulness exercises ranging from one minute to maybe 20 minutes that are designed for, you know, what, what's going to suit you at, at your stage of life. So I think that's a really good place to start. It's not for everyone and mindfulness isn't for everyone. There, there's some research as well that for certain people in certain sort of dispositions, mindfulness isn't helpful. So if it's not working for you, that may mean it's not for you and then look at other options. But um, it's definitely an important thing to to look into for, for that, you know, reduction of stress, feeling more present, more focused, and just the general sense of well-being. I mean, it's been practised for thousands of years and so there's, there's something to it. Just ex- expanding from what Mr Magnus says, um, in regards to it not being for everyone. So what I try and do is just simplify language around mindfulness for the students and, as Mr Magnus did mention, is just talk about it's just essentially being the art of being present and giving yourself a break, something that you can do to engage in. It might be a hobby. For me, you know, mindfulness can be going for a 30-minute run because during that 30 minutes, that's time when you're present in that particular moment and you're not letting the worries and stresses of the day sort of get to you. So... I try and simplify it to the boys and just tell them to, you know, give yourself a break and and try and find that thing that you can do that allows you to to be present and and not let those thoughts enter your mind for that particular amount of time. Absolutely. And I think it's important to start um, small and then if you really enjoy and see those benefits coming in, then expanding on that. So 10 minutes a day is a good starting point. And I think, Mr Magnus, a good time when you wake up or just before you go to bed or even to break up the day in the middle. Are those all good times? Absolutely. I mean, traditionally I think a lot of people start the day with it and have a, have a mindfulness practice as, as they wake up. For people who possibly struggle with sleep, which is something I hear a lot about in the counselling room, um, Smiling Mind, for example, has specific meditations for sleep, so it'll, you know, It'll allow you to stay present, but also through that relaxation process will we'll assist you to have a better sleep and not such a busy mind. But yeah, I mean, as with anything, creating a good routine, setting that time aside for yourself to be present in whatever form. It, it could be through an activity, whether it's walking, running, mindful cooking, or just lying on your bed or, or sitting cross-legged. It, make it work for you and your, and your situation. Um, yeah. Yeah, and some I know some people have said to me before it's they find it hard to access a little bit, but it can be something as simple as going for a walk during a study break, um, just listening to what's around you. So it's quite a simple thing to do mm-hmm. and very effective as well. Yeah, look, one of the things we do um, during Stephen's mentor time is we link mindfulness with simply games, so card games, playing playing games in mentor. So it's a, a technology-free session where you're sitting in a circle and you're playing a board game because by engaging in that game for that time, you're present with those around you and, you know, you're engaged in the game and forgetting about everything else that's going on in your busy day. I think linking mindfulness to an activity of some description, that can break down a lot of barriers in terms of particularly students engaging in mindfulness. I know that when Smiling Minds was a, was prominent in mentor time, some students struggled to engage because it was without the um, the, the support of those, the, those avenues, I suppose, through which you can get into mindfulness. But things like listening to music, like you said, even even things like reading a book, you're being mindful. You're, you're present in the book, you're present in the moment. I'm um, going for a run or a ride, like you've said, Mr Conninger, those are all really valid and and 
um, yeah, strong avenues through which you can become more mindful. Obviously, as many people know, we're getting close to the mid-year exam period and this is, you know, exams bring a lot of stress to a lot of people. So I guess Mr Bonnicher first and then Mr Magnus as well. Could you maybe give us some tips about how to approach exams and how to deal with that stress? So I'm conscious that the exam period is a... It's a pressure point. There's no escaping that. Um, but I think there's a piece that underpins the whole conversation here that, and this came out in a, a session I was at last night about wellbeing underpinning everything else. Um, so whilst exams are really bringing that forward and into that point, I think it's really important that strategies around in that study period, working towards that timeline, you build in things that are for you, that aren't for this external purpose of achieving an ATAR or something else, something like the run, like maybe it is just some music. Be careful of what you listen to or what you do. Obviously, the wrong type of music can have the wrong type of impact. But look for things that are going to work for you as an individual, like Mr Magnus said. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. And Mr Magnus, do you have anything to add? Look, I completely agree with Mr Bonnicher that wellbeing, um, especially at a pressure point time like exams, which we all have experienced at some point, it, it's more important than ever to to focus on that. But easily we get drawn into the outcomes, the goals, the the next exam, the the study that we never feel completely on top of. Um, all of that is there, but it's the foundation of being present, looking after your mind, body, and remembering that that allows for the, those other things to flow. So I don't think it's important to give specifics because I think we all know the things that nurture us in those different ways. If you kind of start by taking the time to even acknowledge the importance of, of well-being as the underpinning of success in whatever you're doing, then I think quite naturally you'll find the right things. For some people, they might need to schedule it. You know, I talk with students sometimes that having a plan, having a having a time, a study timetable that actually forces you in a way to take that half an hour off every couple of hours and that's your time to listen to music, call a friend, walk around the block. Prioritising that as part of your study and part of your exam preparation is the key rather than it being a distraction. It actually allows for the success to happen. Certainly. And I know that I guess from personal experience last year for my end of year exams, that was one of the first times where I really did feel extremely anxious and having those feelings for the first time can be quite difficult to deal with, um, even to the point where I'd be sitting there trying to study, but those emotions were too overwhelming uh, to be able to put pen to paper. A question for you, again, Mr Magnus, is taking a break and taking a step back the best way to overcome these emotions? Another great question. I mean, I think what you just described, Harry, is something we hear about a lot. It's an unfortunately a very common experience to, to feel overwhelmed by by those pressures. The starting point to me is always that self-awareness. I mean, it, you could just force through and just ignore the signs that you're not coping and, and just try to keep at the task. So I, I really think to, to stop and take stock and say, look, this isn't working for me right now. I'm, I've been sitting here for an hour and, I'm, and I've put two words down. I think being honest with yourself and, and acknowledging that and being kind to yourself, that's, that allows a different track to emerge where you can start to say, um, okay, I need to address this, 
What do I need to do? And again, I think we all have those answers if we give ourselves the time to, and and care for ourselves to, to look at it. So, yeah. And if I could probably add into that, one of the great things about seeing a, a staff focus, a school focus and a student focus and a resourcing of thinking into this space, don't feel that it's on you, yeah? The, this, these feelings um, are not uncommon and not unexpected given the environment and the pressures that are occurring at this point in your lives. So the sharing of that with either somebody that is in a formal role, but now there are so many people that have got skills, have got knowledge, and more, more importantly, they've got a willingness to engage in this space. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess on the as part of the GEM principles, one being empathy, it's really important to create a school culture where not only we have open conversations, but we're talking to each other empathetically. That can have a really strong impact. So I guess a question to everyone, how can students, no matter how old they are, um, across our community help each other during this exam stress? I think in mentor times, I've noticed the biggest impact in terms of students supporting students. The mentor system in all the houses is fantastic. You get to know students in different age groups really well. Obviously, the older students have a lot more experience in dealing with stress and exams in particular. So that that framework of support, particularly year 12, supporting year 11s who are going into their first pre-tertiary exams, but equally supporting the year 9s and 10s. I know year 9s have a nap plan at the moment, which is... Um, it's, it's a slightly different exam structure, but it can be equally stressful. So, yeah, I think having that uh, peer support from different age groups can be really pivotal in terms of um, in terms of support through this tough time. And I, I just want to reiterate what Mr Bonich has said about reaching out. I think with wellbeing, that's often the key, that, that things, we've probably all had experiences of, of things getting worse when we try and keep it to ourselves, when we think that we shouldn't be feeling this way, that we must be doing something wrong and, that, and then we kind of shut down and, and feel like, well, it would be embarrassing or a negative thing to be sharing that and, and, and inevitably keeping it to yourself and not, and not really being honest about it with others can, can just make things worse. So having that trust that there are good people, you know, amongst your peers and amongst the staff who are genuinely wanting to show empathy and, and support you... Um, Often that even that first conversation of acknowledging, look, I'm, I'm in, I'm, I'm struggling right now, that can make a big shift. Yeah, absolutely. And exams, without a doubt, one of the most um, stressful and difficult times of the year. But the, these periods can be made made a lot easier through open conversations. So it's a really important time for everyone in our school community to look out for each other. Yeah, and I think maybe just one more thing to add. Obviously, this is to Mr Bonnicher. There's an increasing idea that the ATAR isn't as as important as everyone sort of makes it out to be. Is this something you've also found, Mr Bonnicher? I think the ATAR probably is the scapegoat for the pressure point. But whatever it is in life, you will find at some point you will be confronted by something. At the moment in your journey, it is the ATAR, but there will be at some point a point where you're feeling that you're overwhelmed and that these feelings, when they come your way, this is an opportunity I would suggest that is about starting to have a growth mindset about strategies that work for you and being, being open to the idea of now, just as you would if your maths wasn't working to go and get see, do I get a tutor? Do I go to maths help? Right, the exams are coming. I'm feeling anxious. What are my strategies for starting to, to put in place 
in that space. ATAR, it, look, from, from your journey for a lot of universities, it's being talked about as not being the best measure of a person um, and not being valid in a lot of ways. Unfortunately, universities don't have unlimited resources where they can interview everybody and put in place other means. An ATAR is a numbers-based sort-them-out sort process and, uh, and it's part of the system that we've got within this country at the moment. Um, hopefully in the future we might be able to be more holistic and there are universities that are being more holistic about how they look at a person. But um, at, at this point in time, yeah, ATAR is, is that thing. And that's where this, I understand it um, and I'm really empathetic to the pressure that is felt by so many people here because of that. But I think it is that step back and saying, all right, this is part of my journey. How do I build some things that are going to help me on that? And that's not just studying harder in the subjects, but what am I doing on my own personal development? Yeah, absolutely. Just to wrap up, remember to try and implement GEM more in your daily lives. I know as Andrew and all of us have discussed, um, this is a really important area of wellbeing. And also a Melbourne author, Hugh Van Seilenberg, um, has written a book on gratitude, empathy and mindfulness named The Resilience Project. Um, I read it over the summer. It's an, a great read and I took a lot from it in the area of wellbeing. Um, so I highly recommend getting your hands on that. Go to the local bookstore. Ben, what's your go-to for a new book? Oh, look, I haven't been reading as much as I should be, but that sounds like an absolute cracker. So I have to get along to it. Finally, Andrew, if you'd like to lead us out, what's your last um, piece of advice for everyone? Uh, the biggest piece of advice that I can give is for everyone to just embrace a more positive culture of well-being. It's really fantastic at the moment that we've got a shift at Hutchins that goes from awareness-based um, initiatives to action-based initiatives. I think that's one of the really key things that's happened this year. We've spent a lot of time in the past talking about how we can raise awareness and break the stigma surrounding mental health issues. And it's really great that this year, but that's leading on from actions in previous years, we're finally able to get to a point where we can really have a positive, tangible, tangible effect on people's mental health and well-being. So my, for my message to individuals who are trying to support each other and also their own personal well-being is, you know, take the advice of people around you, use the support structures that there are in place and focus on your, on your well-being above all else because really that's what matters at the end of the day. So remember everyone, with mid-years coming up, look out for one another and thank you for listening to today's podcast. Thank you, Andrew, Ben, Mr Conica, Mr Magnus and Mr Bonicher. Uh, for joining us today. A remember to everyone to purchase The Resilience Project uh, and to listen to more Hutchins podcasts, go to hutchins.taz.edu.au slash podcasts. Thank you and goodbye. Hutchins Podcast.